to invite you this morning to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're going to be reading in uh, verse 14, but before we read, I want to um, give you some background to this text. I know many of you are familiar with it, but in chapter 1, Jesus has given his apostles instructions to wait in Jerusalem for the coming of his spirit, uh, the spirit that had been promised to them. And so he tells them to wait in Jerusalem until the spirit comes to them. And they, in that point, they say to him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And his response is, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that God has ordained, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And then Jesus all of a sudden was taken up into heaven, and they stood there looking up into heaven wondering what they should do next. And two men stood there and said, why do you look up into the heavens? This same Jesus that you saw will come again in like manner. You go and do what he has asked you to do. And so they return across the Kidron Valley into the city of Jerusalem and they go and they wait and they pray and they continue to wait and they continue to pray. And then on the day of Pentecost, a festival called the Festival of Weeks in Jerusalem, people from all over the known world are there. And on the day of Pentecost, they are in the upper room, they are waiting and praying, and all of a sudden, a sound of a violent rushing wind came in and filled Jerusalem, filled that upper room where they were, tongues of fire rested on them, and they began to speak in other languages, known languages, they began to speak in other languages, they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. As that wind came in, people from all over Jerusalem began to come and investigate what was going on. And they went out and they began to share the good news of what God had done. And all the people from all of these different nations began to hear them speak in their own languages. In the middle of that, while all that was good, there was a lot of confusion going on. The people were not sure what was going on. They even thought that these apostles and disciples had been drinking a little early that day. And so they thought that uh, they didn't really know what was going on. There was confusion. And so Peter stands up and he addresses the crowd. And that's where we pick it up in verse 14. So look in Acts chapter 2 and verse 14 with me. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed to them, Fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it will be in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. And then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Zach has already told you about the conversation that we had several months ago. And I made that statement to him. I want to see the book of Acts. And I also told him that I have seen the book of Acts come to life on the Amazon River. We are part of a, a mission organization called Amazon Hope that owns a boat. And we run six to eight trips a year carrying mission teams from the United States and even other countries to the Amazon River. And God is doing a special work there. And God is moving there 
we see God moments regularly on the Amazon River. I would love to, to tell you all of the stories that God has done. Listen, though, this morning, this is no exaggeration. Literally, every trip that we take on the Amazon, we see God work in ways that reminds me of the book of Acts. Many people are coming to faith there in God's sovereignty. He aligns and coordinates circumstances that regularly lead us to see God moments. We have people say all of the time, you came at just the right moment. We even have people who we encounter that say they have had visions and dreams of someone from a foreign land coming to tell them about how to go to heaven. In 2013, uh, myself and a couple of other leaders, leaders went to a village Share the gospel. 25 people make professions of faith. It's crazy. Two of which of those people were Assembly of God, the Assembly of God pastor and his wife made a profession of faith. They'd never heard the gospel. And so we were there. At the end of our time, three different people came up to our trip leader and said, a week ago, a man from our church or our village had a vision of people coming from another nation to tell us how to go to heaven. Talk about a, a book of Acts moment. That's it. God is doing an amazing thing on the Amazon. And so I've seen the book of Acts. But listen, I want to see it here. I don't want to just see it as you go on the mission field. I want to see it in the church that I'm a part of. And so with those thoughts going through my mind, I've talked to Brother Zach about a movement of God. And so I just began to dive into the book of Acts and specifically in Acts chapter 2. When I looked at that chapter to begin with, I was honestly looking to see, is there a pattern that these disciples followed to usher in a movement of God? Is there a formula that we can do this and this and this, and if those things are done, then God will move? And the truth is, as I began to look more and more at those scriptures, there is no pattern. They did not plan. They did not strategize. They did not uh, strategically pick the day of Pentecost, knowing that all those nations would be there. They didn't really do anything except pray, which is, by the way, not nothing. That is maybe even the most important thing that we're supposed to do is pray that God would move. Because if we're looking for a movement of God, it is just that. It's a movement of God. It's not something that we can plan or produce. It's something we receive from God. And so they, they, they prayed. Listen, I'm all for planning. I'm all for strategizing. That, that is part of being a good steward of the gospel. We need to plan. We need to strategize. But listen to me very clearly. No matter how well we plan, our strategies and our plans will always fall short of producing a true movement of God. In Acts chapter 5, a man named Gamaliel says this. He's talking to the, the Pharisees and he says this. If this plan is from men, it will fail but if it's from God, you cannot stop it. Listen, God has a plan. And it's not that we drum up some kind of idea of God moving in some weird way. Look, there are roots in Scripture about God is going to move. God is planning to do things. God has even promised to do things. And so what we need to understand is that God will never be obligated to move based on what we do. Nothing we can do can obligate God to move. But if we understand scriptures, the Scriptures correctly, what we'll see is that God has actually obligated Himself to move. God has actually already done that. He's actually already initiated a movement. He has promised in the last days to pour out His Spirit. He is already moving. He is already working all around us. And there is an invitation on the table for us to join Him in His work. 
And what we have to do in our individual lives and in the, lives, in, in the life of a church is we have to figure out how to position ourselves to join him in the work he's already doing. Does that make sense this morning? That's the plan of God. He is working and we join him in his work. Now as I looked at chapters 1 and 2 and the chapters that followed, I came away with two truths that I believe have the ability to reshape our prayers, give us new motivation toward obedience, and help us see the harvest with fresh eyes. And I believe with all my heart that as we begin to see and go into the harvest and follow God and connect with him in his work, we will see the power of God in and through our lives unlike anything we've ever experienced before. Here's the first truth. In order to join the movement of God, we have to trust the promise of God. In the book of Joel, God made a promise that in the last days, he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. He promised to pour out his spirit on people from every nation under heaven. This is the promise that Peter was talking about in the book of Acts in chapter 2. Now, some people assume that that promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost or maybe in the completion of the book of Acts it was fulfilled. But the reality is God is still pouring out his spirit today. Peter says in verse 17, And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Listen to me this morning. If they were in the last days, what are we in? What are we in? That was 2,000 years ago. Some may say, well, I still think that, that that promise was fulfilled in that day. Well, if you still feel that way, look at the last part of that passage that we read. It says this, I will display wonders in the heaven above and, then si and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Listen, that hasn't been fulfilled yet. And so we're still in the, in the intermediate time when God is still pouring out his spirit. Now, when God does all those things... That may change, but right now, God is pouring out His Spirit. Listen, we don't have to hope and pray for some spiritual outpouring of God's Spirit that has no roots in Scripture. No, God has said that He wants to pour His Spirit out. He's already said that, and He has even promised that He will pour His Spirit out. Look over at Acts chapter 2 and verse 39, if you still have your copy of God's Word open. Look in verse 39. Peter says this, this promise is for you and your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. As far as I know, God is still calling people. And so this promise is to us. This promise of him pouring his spirit out is to you and your children and to all who are afar off. Listen, if God is calling us to salvation, he is pouring his spirit out into his people. And so we pray for a movement of God and this promise gives us a firm foundation as we do that. So we can say to God, God, you promised to do this. You promised that you would pour your spirit out. God, you promised that you would save people. God, you promised. God, would you just do that? Would you fulfill your promise in our day, in our time, in our church, in our lives? Would you just do what you promised to do? You see, on the day of Pentecost, God began a movement that has not ended. And what's left for us is not to follow some kind of formula that, that would make God move again. What's left for us is to position our lives in such a way that we join God in the work that he's already doing. What we need from God is not a new movement of his spirit. What we need from God is for God to show us how to join him in the work he's already doing. God is working all around this world 
And it's not just on the Amazon River. I promise you, God is working in Morris and Kimberly and Warrior. God is working in this greater area in North Jefferson, drawing people to himself. And I believe God has planted this church here strategically for that purpose. Isn't that good? That God didn't just move on the day of Pentecost, but he's moving now. And he is, not only, not only do we hope that, we know that. God has promised that he is going to do that. We don't have to beg him for something he may or may not want to do. He's already said that he wants to do it. Listen to me. Unless you think that that only happens in what we call the 1040 window of that middle strip around the world, that really the harvest is abundant there in places like Brazil, unless you think it's only in that area, I want to show you the second truth that I found as I began to look through these pages. Here's the second truth. In order to join the movement of God, we have to trust the promise of God, but we also have to trust the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God is all over the book of Acts. You see it as, as you begin to read through these passages. If you, if you look back at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, it says that people from all, all nations were joined in Jerusalem. Why was that? Well, they were there for the festival of weeks or Pentecost, and it was no coincidence that God sent his spirit on the day of Pentecost as those people were there because he wanted his kingdom to, and his church to spread out over the nations very rapidly. And even as Peter and, uh, and Paul and other missionaries wanted to go and to other places, many times they would go and they would find believers already there. How did that happen? It was because the nations heard on this day and they began to go out because they were just going home. And they told people what God had done. And God began to, to move. God's sovereignty planned that. You look in chapters 2 and 3 and 4. And as Peter preaches and as even as the disciples pray, they, they even say that Jesus' death was part of God's sovereign plan. In chapter 8, it says that God even used the means of persecution to sovereignly spread his gospel. They went everywhere preaching the word. I love this story in chapter 10. There's a man named Cornelius. And, and he is... He is uh, praying and God gives him a vision and he tells him and the spirit tells him in that time to go send men to a man named Peter in Joppa he didn't know who Peter was so he sent these men just to look for Peter said that he was at the house of Simon the Tanner in that moment as those men were on their way to see Peter Peter had no idea what was going on he goes up on the roof at noonday to pray in that time, he had, fell into a trance and he saw a vision from God. And in that moment, as he's contemplating what he's seen and heard, the Spirit of God tells Peter, Peter, three men are coming and you need to go with them. And you know the story after that, how he went with them and he went to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius had his friends and his family gathered there. And the gospel in that moment came to the Gentiles. Isn't that good? That came to us. That came to the Gentiles in that moment. How did that happen? God sovereignly gave a man named Cornelius a vision, and he sovereignly told Peter in a vision that the gospel needed to go to all people. God's sovereignty is all over these pages, and I want to show you very quickly how it impacts us today. Look over to Acts chapter 17, verse 26, says this, from one man... He has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. Let that sink in. From one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth 
and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Listen to me. God has determined the places that you and I would live. He has determined that we would live in these days. Some of you have lived here a very long time. Why? According to Acts chapter 17, it's because God put you here. Some of you have have only recently moved here. Why? According to Acts chapter 17, it's because God put you here. You thought it was because you liked the neighborhood or you wanted to be close to work and not in the city but close enough. No, God planned the place that you would live. What's even more, there are others who are living in this area that God has led here. And there are many more others who are God is leading to this area. You understand that? God is in control. He is sovereignly moving people into this area. And they think they're moving here because they like the house. Or they like the subdivision. Or they like the, the, the neighborhood. Or they like the school system. Which all of those things are wonderful things. But they're not the reason they're here. They're here because God is moving them here. And specifically because He wants them to know Him. God is sovereign, and He is moving, and He is working. He has promised to pour out His Spirit in the last days, and He is sovereignly setting up, I believe, this church in this area for these days. So listen, what does this mean? Take these two things, the promise of God and the sovereignty of God. Put those two things together. What does that mean for Enon Baptist Church? That means that 2022 is our day. 2023 is our day. Listen, Peter and James and John were not given 2022. We were. They weren't given 2023. We were. This is our day. And so as his church in this area, it's our responsibility to fill the role God has given us. So let's trust his promise. Let's trust his sovereignty. Let's get our eyes up and see the harvest. Listen, the Lord of the harvest. Do you realize that? There's a harvest out there, and there's a sovereign God who said, I am the Lord of the harvest. I control the harvest. He told us to ask for laborers. That ought to be part of our prayer. God, send laborers into the harvest. That means God send us more laborers, but that also means God send us into the harvest. God, send laborers. So with one voice, let us pray. God, would you just fulfill your promise? I love this story out of Luke chapter 11 where Jesus is talking to a group of people. And he says this, look, you know if your son gives or or asks for bread, you're not going to give him a stone. If he asks for fish, you're not going to give him a serpent. If he asks for an egg, you're not going to give him a scorpion. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your people, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Spirit to those who ask him? He didn't say give good gifts to those who ask him. He said give the Spirit to those who ask him. You want an outpouring of the Spirit? Ask God. James tells us you have not because you ask not. That's with one voice. It's good for you to pray as an individual, but it's even more powerful as a church comes together with one voice and just says to God, God, would you just do what you promised and do it in our day? Pour out your Spirit. Let's trust his sovereignty. And let's devote ourselves to learning and obeying scripture like the first church did. And let's deeply be deeply devoted to one another like they were. And let's go where the harvest is. That's the the heart of God in the book of Acts. It's not that he did something special on that day that just ended then. God started something that is still sweeping across this globe. And you and I have the ability and the invitation to join him in his work. In 2013, I was... 
on the Amazon River with a team from Sardis Baptist Church. To be honest, I was really struggling on this trip. My family had gone through some of the darkest days that I've ever been through. And if God wills, then I'll share more about that later on with you. But it's just, just enough said, it was a dark time in our family's life, a very hard time. I was struggling. And to be honest, I wasn't doubting God, but I needed to see God's power in those days. There was another leader on that trip that I began to talk to and form a relationship with. And it's an incredible man of God that God was using. And one night after dinner, I just began a conversation with him, lasted about an hour and a half. And, and I just opened up to him. I said, I'm struggling. And he knew the circumstances that we'd been through. And I just said, I'm struggling. And one of the things that I said to him was, I need to see God's power. I want to see the book of Acts in motion. And to be honest, I didn't remember that I'd even said that second thing about the book of Acts until a few weeks ago. I was going through some of my stuff cleaning up my office, and I came across my trip journal. And I began to read those words and knew what I was going to be preaching. And I, I began to read those words that I had said that to this man named Mark. I said, Mark, I, I want to see the book of Acts. And here's the response that he gave me. And I believe this is so powerful that if we can wrap our minds around it, it will motivate us. It will change the way we see Scripture. Here's what he told me. If you want to see God move in power, go where the harvest is. Go where the harvest is. That's where God is moving. That's where God is working. If you want to see him, go there. Why would I commit to going to the Amazon River over and over and over, year after year? Listen, I love the river. I'd love to take you guys with me to the river. You would love the river. The wildlife is incredible. We see monkeys and caiman and piranhas and all kinds of stuff. It's incredible. I would love to be able to take you. The culture is incredible. Just being there is incredible. But to be honest, that's not why I go. I go because God is working there. That's the reason I go to the Amazon. I see his power there. Listen, why would I choose to uproot my family from the only place my kids have ever called home and relocate them to a place like Morris or Kimberly or Warrior. Why would I do that? I believe with all my heart that God is working here. And I want to see his power. I want to see his power. God is sovereign. He has promised to do it. And from conversations I've had with your pastor, I believe he's already doing it here. I believe he's already pouring his spirit out and drawing people to himself. And so that's the reason we want to be here. Is that God is here. Uh, listen. As much as anything, even, even more so than just for myself, I want my wife and kids to see God's power. Do you know what that would do for me? To know that if they saw God's power, they would never, ever, ever turn away from Him. That's what I want. I want my family to see God move. Listen, truth is, whether I'm here or not, it doesn't really matter. God's in control of that. What matters more is whether or not you are desperate enough as a church to join God in his work. If you are, you'll pray with passion. God, would you fulfill your promise in our day, in our church? If you're desperate enough, you'll divert, devote yourselves to his word. You'll devote yourselves to one another. You'll go to the harvest fields. If you're passionate enough, you'll do those things just like the church in the book of Acts did. God has sovereignly ordained this day for this church We've got to decide, you've got to decide, am I going to be part of what God is doing? 
And I just believe with all my heart, as much as God has sovereignly ordained that, God has sovereignly ordained the path of individuals in this area and maybe even in this auditorium today. God is working in your life and you want to be part of what God's doing. But frankly, some of you may not even know Christ, may not even have a relationship with him. I believe with all my heart, it was no coincidence that you came today. God is sovereignly drawing you to himself. He has sovereignly positioned you here because he wants you to know him and he wants you to be part of his work. And where that starts is something like what Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse, verse 29. This is the work of God that you believe in the one that he sent. That's where it starts. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've got to believe in his death and his resurrection and give him your life by faith. Put your yes on the table and say, God, I give you my life. I want to be part of what you're doing. I want to be part of what you're doing. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you that you are moving. You are so good and sovereign. You are holy and righteous, God. Oh, God, you are so in control of everything. When this world feels like it is out of control, you are sovereignly in control. And you are moving in this area, and I pray that you would put a burning passion in the hearts that make up this church to go into the harvest. I pray that you'd pour your spirit out on this church, on the leaders and the staff and, 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 and children, God, and adults, God, that fill these pews every week. I pray that you'd pour your spirit out on them for the glory of your son's name. And God, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, I pray that you would draw them to you, God. Start your work in their life and help them to believe, God. Give them the gift of faith. Help them to turn their life over to you. God, you are sovereign and you love us so much. God, you think about us constantly. I don't understand it, but that's what your word says. You think about us constantly. Would you draw people to you, God, in these moments? Draw the church into your mission and draw the lost into a relationship with you. And I pray that for the glory of Jesus' name. Amen.